Yeah, we're getting into it. All right, welcome to the time and place. It's gonna get real weird today. Thought aliens were weird. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to say Nephilim, but <laughs> Nephilim. <laughs> if you've been in conspiracy circles enough, you're totally up on Nephilim. That's true. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, was- our topic today is our topic tonight is the Nephilim. Um, I'm sure this is definitely one that people raise their hand in Sunday school and community groups or whatever. We're like, <laughs> what's Nephilim? And it's like, it's not the time and place to talk about what that is. Usually it means I don't know. And yeah, I didn't know. We don't, we don't, we're still kind of not sure what we're related <laughs> on, what they are. Like, what is the Nephilim? What, what are the giants? And uh, we don't, we don't know a good podcast. Love bye. <laughs> <laughs> but we have some answers. Just because you, an- you have answers doesn't mean you know anything. Right. But we, have, we have answers. <laughs> so, but yeah, so we were talking about the Nephilim primarily, uh, Genesis 6, 4, uh, 4 and 5, right? Yeah, maybe you should just read it just in case people aren't familiar with it. Okay. No? Yeah. Sure. Let me just pull it up here. Oh, let's see. So Genesis 6, 4, uh, well, just 4, says, uh, The Nephilim were in the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. So at the beginning of 6, uh, 6, 1, let's just read those two. uh, When human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward. When the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, they were the heroes of old, men of renown. So and they just leave you with that. <laughs> no other information, nothing yeah. else. Just the leave you this is right before the flood. So right. So Genesis 6 is the flood. So it goes right into the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination and thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So then that's the flood, and Noah built the ark and all that. So yeah, this is, yeah, this is really weird. We don't know what the Nephilim is. Like, what is that? (laughs) So that's what we'll be talking about tonight. And it's really weird. Yeah, it's really weird because we, unless you do a deep dive, you don't have any kind of uh, context for it. Like, assuming the people reading it would have had context back then. Like, they would have known what was up. We don't have the context for that unless you're Michael Heiser or someone. Then you have the context, maybe. No, but it just—it's too a, much context. So. <laughs> it's such a weird. I mean, it's weird, but it's because we're growing up. You have the concept of giants in the Bible, like that's a thing that you're aware of. But right. it's really just the one. Like Goliath is the giant, yeah, and that's the only one that really gets brought up where it's dwelt on. Like, oh, he was so big, he was he was bigger than anyone. He had a heavy shield and a heavy spear. 
But then you get here and it's like, well, actually, there was a lot of them. Uh, that's one thing that I was looking at in the, the Septuagint. They translated Nephilim as giants. So in, yeah. in the Septuagint, you just get there were giants in those days, not just Nephilim in those days. So the Septuagint is the Greek interpretation of the Hebrew Old Testament. Right. So the, the Jews in the New Testament time read the Old Testament in Greek, like we read it in English. Right. They read, they read it in the common tongue of Greek. So the Septuagint is that, that, that Old Testament translation to Greek, because the Old that Testament been, in Hebrew. Right. That would have been Paul's Bible or Peter's Bible. That's what they would have been reading when they were yeah. quoting or anything. That's where, that's where you get yeah. that. So, so should we just kind of lay out like what we think, like what Nephilim, what do you think? Well, what, what explanations have you been given? Because you have to ask somebody at some point, right? Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I've kind of had, had heard everything. I've heard both. I've heard some people say like, oh, they're just kind of like hero, sweet, awesome, cool guys, like strong, you know, warrior men. Like, oh, okay, cool. Men of renown. Yeah. <laughs> or not even that. Not even like demigod, but like just like Alexander the Great, like that, right. you know, some some magnanimous stud. And, and then I've heard – Oh, there were giants and like half angel, half human, giant demigod, supernatural Superman, and like they could right. like fly and and right. I was like, huh? Like, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was explained to me like, sure, like yeah, there were like these superpower giant men, and that's the Nephilim, and then they got wiped out. And, and then it was like, well, they're gone now, so who cares? Like, it doesn't have much bearing. It was like, Stop talking about that. We're in Sunday school. Yeah, I was like, okay. <laughs> so those, those are the two most – because the whole thing kind of hinges on what sons of God means. And those are the two most popular theories. The, the one that I heard was the supernatural view and the Sethite view, that right. you, either the sons of God were angels yeah. who looked at women, saw they were beautiful, and had children with them, or – the sons of God were the godly men that came from Seth mixing into the evil tribe of Cain and corrupting their flesh in that way. So those yeah. are like the two predominant views, you one or the other. Right. And I kind of never liked either one 100% because they both seem to have holes in them. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I've got a comment already. Where do those beliefs come from? Uh, that's a good question. That's kind of just the commonly given one. The, for, to me, the Sethite one sounds like the we need to make the Bible not look crazy. Yeah. View. Right. <laughs> How do we make exactly. this make sense when I need to explain this to my kids? That that right. works for me. Yeah. Uh, the other one is typically kind of held by people who do kind of hold to a more spiritual warfare view. And if you get into like Enoch, they really get into Enoch. So, yeah. But at the same time, it still has some scriptural substance when it comes to um, the First Peter verse and the Jude verse, right? And yeah, I mean, we, we'll get into that. But <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like they have grounds for saying that they are angels, right? And that's why I was never fully set on either one, one hundred percent, because both of them sounded like they could be valid, right? Like I had the discussion recently with somebody about. Um, the whole idea that they were angels and that the Nephilim were their children, that it's like, okay, if that's true, then they have to be able to take on flesh in the truest sense, right? Like they have to be able to become human, have DNA, and be able to pass that on. 
And I don't know if that's something that an angel could do, right? Like that would essentially be like what Jesus did when he was incarnate, was he became a man in, in the fullest sense. He took on flesh, he had DNA, he had blood. They would have had to be able to do the same thing. And I don't know if they if that's even possible for just a spirit being, you know, just a, a general generic spirit being to do. Right, but yeah. the Sethite line, I, I kind I did look into the linguistics a little bit. And when it says sons of God and daughters of man, it's it's Ha Elohim and Ha Adam, which is literally of God and of man. Mm-hmm. And every other time that it's Ha Adam, it literally just means mankind. Like it's never used figuratively. It's always just like the people. Then God made man. Then God saw men. Then God said to man. Like it's always humankind, not like this specific subset of humankind. So yeah. both sides kind of didn't feel whole. Yeah. Then that's where we're at. <laughs> so yeah, it, it really it really does kind of come down to sons of God in that like uh the Hebrew B'nai Elohim. Here we right? go right here. The sons of God. They can do it and are still doing it. Well oh I feel like we're gonna burst your bubble, but we'll go with that. Demonte Sanders. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. And do it and are still doing it. Okay. But it was interesting. It. it was interesting that any other place in the Bible that sons of God are used, it's in reference to angelic beings. Right. It's yeah. never in reference to a human or right. like, you know, as the line of Seth would be. It's always in reference to angelic beings. Right. So if we were to say that they were human and not angels, then we would have to say that that's the only place in scripture that right. they God are referred to as man and, and everywhere would, else it's referred to as angels. And that would be super weird for just in this one instance at the beginning of the book for them to take a completely different meaning. Uh, the other ones right. were in Job. There were three in Job and one in Daniel and all of them are supernatural connotation. None of them are just right. like, oh, nice people. So yeah, yeah it would be really weird for that one instance to be like, oh, this one time we didn't mean what we mean every other time. Right. So, right. That's what got Solomon. Solomon was like, <laughs> silence. <laughs> I, I, I just asked, like, where are they? No, I didn't know that. I didn't know you were around the house. Like, what does it mean? Trying <laughs> <laughs> to make sense of it. No. If I was Julian, I would have just kept running my mouth. Like, <laughs> hey, we're on, the same, we're on the same page today. <laughs> You're the odd man out this time. I feel like I have been the odd man out recently. Like nah, I don't know about that. I feel like I've been the odd man out recently. Yeah. I'm always odd man out. We're all <laughs> odd man out. <laughs> so yeah. the the like you were saying, that's really the linchpin is like what were those guys? What were sons of God? And I, I don't think there's a consistent consistent way to take it that doesn't mean supernatural beings of some kind. Yeah. Okay, like, so 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 that's kind of like where, where we can start. A good place to start is sons of God are angels. Right. Like we have compelling biblical evidence that says, like consistent interpretations of saying that the sons of God means angels. Okay. So the sons of God saw the daughters of humans mm-hmm. and had children with them. And these are the, these these are the men of renown. Okay. So what about Matthew twenty two, twenty three and thirty three? Okay. So saying that essentially what it seems to say is that angels cannot engage in sexual intercourse. Will you read the verse? Yeah. So, so on that day, Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came up, came to him and asked him saying, teacher Moses, uh, teacher Moses said that if anyone, someone dies without having children, his brother is to marry his wife and father 
descendants of his brother. Now, there were seven brothers with us, and the first died after getting married. And because he did not have descendants, he left his wife to his brother. So also the second and the third up to the seventh. And last of all, the woman died in the resurrection. Therefore, whose wife of the seven? So in the resurrection, therefore, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her as a wife. But Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken because you do not know, you do not know how the scripture or the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. So... In the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. So, so, so we have I'm, of God marrying daughters of humans, right? And I, and I'm sure I know Scripture doesn't reveal this or tell it, but would it be possible that the angels that rebelled against God were sent down to earth and not? You know, do you know what I'm trying to say? And not given? Yeah. So something changed from their angelic being state to that's that that's one of the, i think wilson said that about or i think it was doug wilson saying that about like well that's how it is in heaven so angels in right. heaven do not marry but angels who fall and come to earth right. would marry right. so in in heiser's address on this is the text does not say angels cannot have sex of course it says they don't right. if they're obedient well it's like well, okay, well, so here's the they don't, they 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 don't marry. Yeah, here's the counter because this is one that um, Peter Gentry from Southern brought up, and I was like, that is very interesting, and it makes a really good point. Um, he references Second Peter two and Jude six and seven, where they, where they talk about the angels who left the first estate and Sodom and Gomorrah, mm-hmm. and they use them parallel, like this situation and this situation together are supposed to tell you something about what's going on. And it's interesting that they're paralleled because I think Jude is the one that actually says went after strange flesh. So the parallel in the story of Sodom and the story of the, the sons of God seems to be going after strange flesh In Sodom. It was the men going after the angels, which would kind of imply that in Genesis, it was the angels going after after human. That's what makes it parallel. Otherwise, why would you tell those two stories together? It doesn't make sense. It's two different things. So, I mean, that sounds because, like you said, that was always where I was for a long time too. Where it's, well, Jesus said they can't, and it says, well, they don't in heaven. That doesn't say anything about the fallen or the ones right. who would leave. Them. Right. Yeah. So. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> There's just a lot of sighing and confusion. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, a, a big resource for us. Uh, or at least for me on this has been Michael Heiser. And um, if you haven't read uh, The Unseen Realm, don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because don't do it. It's pretty whack. And um, I don't know. So, so Michael Heiser is a Hebrew language scholar. And he his approach to this is look at the old testament as the jews would have in the old testament bc like old ancient jews how would they have looked at this when they they look at genesis and look at the flood when they look at the tower of babel like all these things what would they think about these things and how would they categorize it and and put in context 
I don't know if that's the best way to do it because we are Christians and we have like we have Jesus that enlightens the Old Testament of right. like what it is all for. As Christians, we believe that everything points to Christ. I don't know if Michael Heiser would believe that, even like with the Old Testament, um, as far as like everything in the Old Testament is about Jesus and in some way points to the promise of the Messiah. And whether it be the law, the prophets, the you know the, the poems like everything um pointing to a hope pointing to a faith that is fulfilled in christ so i don't think looking at the old testament maybe for like a, a historical literary exercise maybe and that's kind of what this is the unseen realm and that's kind of michael heiser's approach but i don't know if that's the most like edifying for a christian to do is to, to to look at the old testament i mean it might be interesting to study the language and stuff but I don't know. I mean, that's, he gets really into the weeds. Like we were talking about, like, he's just like breaks down every word and the possible interpretations and translations of each word. And that just like gets really muddy really quick. Um, so yeah, so that's very, very interesting. So like, so, cause here's a good example. So, uh, so this, the label sons, he said, Michael Heiser says deserves attention. It is, it's a family term. And that's neither coincidental nor inconsequential. God has an unseen family. In fact, it's his original family. The logic is the same as that behind Paul's words in Acts at Mars Hill, the Areopagus, that all humans are indeed God's offspring, Acts 17, 28. God has created a host of non-human divine beings whose domain is to humanize an unseen realm. So that's the council of the gods. That's right. the the sons of God, that's who he's kind of talking about. And and that would be categorized as, I think, how he would see it as uh, the Nephilim or like the sons of God. Mm-hmm. So angelic divine beings, but not necessarily angels. So I, I, I want to address weird. this comment real quick because this came up when I was looking at stuff too. Yeah. Uh, he was saying that Joshua fought giants when he went into the promised land. So the problem with that um, understanding is that the idea that there were giants in the promised land came from the 10 spies that were giving a bad report, right? The, the two that were Joshua and Caleb were like, we can take it easy. Like this is, this is a, a, this is a breeze. We got it. The 10 that were afraid were the ones that said we saw Nephilim and we were like grasshoppers amongst them. So, It, essentially, if you're taking there were giants, literal giants in Canaan, then you're taking the word of the bad spies and saying they were right about everything they said. When I would say they were exaggerating the situation to be out of fear, more so than telling the facts of the situation. And it's totally yeah. possible that there were like large men in um, Canaan. Like the, the, no one, no one here is saying there weren't big guys. What we're questioning is whether or not there were. 10 foot giants walking around. Right. Well, not even 10 foot grasshoppers. Right. Like 50 foot guys. Like as tall as buildings. Like (laughs) that's what you're talking about. You're talking about like Gulliver's Travels kind of giants. (laughs) And And if you ever, I don't know if you last week when we were talking about aliens, have you ever watched Rob Skiba's videos? But he is all in on that like 50 foot giant idea. Like (laughs) He has diagrams that he's drawn up of like giants moving stones to build the pyramids. Like that's his answer. Who, who built the pyramids? Fifty foot giants. That's who did it. Yep. Literal. Literal like, fifty yeah. foot tall giants. He hasn't watched Ancient Aliens debunked. 
<laughs> if he did, he would know. He hasn't watched the internet videos I watched. Hey man, Michael Heiser's on that video, so <laughs> it's legit oh, in my eyes. It's, it's, yeah. it's YouTube. It's YouTube, Solomon. Yeah. Foundation. I told you not to read Michael Heiser's book. He would be on that. <laughs> Let's video. watch him. Yeah. YouTube is is the the most democratic video platform, and if you don't support YouTube, then you're a commie, and I can't trust you. Oh, even though they'll remove you so, for talking about COVID nineteen. Oh man, it's getting weird with that, isn't it? Yeah, really weird. Mm. I'm trying to find where well, is it? Michael Heiser says that the Giants, at understanding, and he, and I would I would I would take this from Michael Heiser, a mm-hmm. historical language thing from right. Heiser, uh, where. Giants basically meant like six foot tall, right? At that time, in the, in that context. So I'm trying to find it. I can't. Of course, I can't so find it. But while you find um, that, yeah, uh, it says here that that's how big some angels are. How do you know how big some angels are? Like, what reference do you? What reference are you looking at to tell you how big some angels are? That's just like that's nonsense. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Fifty foot. Like, where do you get that from? Yeah, that's it. That's, that's so strange to hold to. You. But yeah, I could I could uh, totally see, especially in the Middle East at that time when people were maybe a little bit shorter, that a six foot, yeah. seven foot guy would be like, I've been in the same room with the big show. I don't know if you guys know the big show. Nope. No, yeah, the rest of the big show. He's like seven feet tall. He's a legitimate seven foot tall, 400 pound man. He's huge. So I can imagine somebody. There at that time, seeing him and being like, "Oh, he's a giant. He must be supernatural." Yeah. Right. Or if I if I walked up to Shaq, I'd be like, "Oh my god, right. like a grasshopper compared to him." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like to the comparison, right? Know, so small. And I think it's important to like we do use that kind of terminology now. Even we call big people gigantic, or we call them, you know, uh, superhuman, and we don't mean it literally. Like we don't mean something more than natural. Like no one has yeah. doubts that Shaquille O'Neal has normal parents. Right. Yeah. And the, the parentage thing too was I was looking at the when I was going through the reference, um, that term for mighty men is uh Gibor or Giborim, which yeah. gets translated as giant, but it also could mean mighty. Every other time it's used, it references some kind of soldier or battle or even uh uh, uh, what's the term? Like someone who's highly skilled. So in, in, it references people with David frequently. It says that mighty men kicked open the gates and Samuel and Chronicles and Joel. It mentions that the mighty men of the city run through. So it doesn't necessarily have to mean giant. More yeah. often, it's just translated to mean skilled warriors. Yeah. So th- that's a, a much more consistent hermeneutic to take, I think, than to think giant. Yeah, M- Mama Bear, calm down, calm down. Mama. <laughs> it's gonna be all right. She's gonna get bad. <laughs> Again, like we have to understand what the word giant means. Like you can't just use the word giant and have it mean whatever you want in your right. head. Of like, well, that it means skyscraper size people. Like you have to come. Like yes, the word giant is used. We understand that those 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 verses. Uh, giant, six fingers and six toes, boring. Okay, like. I know someone was born with six fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Children of Anakims, yeah. So I, I don't really understand the six finger and six toes. Is that like a giant thing? Like, do all giants have six fingers and six toes? Yeah, because I'm that's proof that he was a giant. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't. I don't get that. Um, so 
I do like this, like about how he's talking about the word giant. Um, let me see. Babylonian elite. Sorry. Okay. So Genesis six. So so here's and this is where I would trust Michael Heiser on stuff. Uh, again, talking about the languages in the in the like kind of historical context of what we're trying to figure out, and that's what we're trying to figure out right now. So that's kind of why I'm using him as a resource. Um, so he says the interpretation of the term Nephilim must also account for another Jewish phenomenon between the Testaments, the translation of the Old Testament into the Greek. I speak here of the Septuagint. That's what we talked about before. Right. The word Nephilim occurs twice in the Hebrew Bible, Genesis 6-4 and Numbers 13-33. Right. In both cases, the Septuagint, tra Septuagint translated the term with gigas, which is giant. Um, the plural forms of context are relatively gigantic and gigantic or whatever. I think it would be gigantic. Given the backdrop we've covered, it would it would have uh, seemed obvious that Nephilim ought to understand be understood as giants, but many commentators resist the rendering, arguing that it should be read as fallen ones mm -hmm. or those who fall upon a right. battle expression, which would make sense for like a giant, like you right. fall on somebody or you're crushing them, you know. And I think that's the context behind the there are grasshoppers saying like they would crush us like grasshoppers, right? Right. The big show can crush you like a grasshopper. Like as right. easy it is as him <laughs> as it is for that wrestler guy, the gigantic guy, to right. uh, smack a grasshopper. He could kill you that easily. Right. And that's, I think that's what they're talking about in numbers. And I think a lot of um, people. So, yeah, go ahead. I know, like in like the Torah observant community, and I really didn't realize until Julian, you were telling me that um, Skiba had put out the fact that like he couldn't reconcile why God would yes. you know, flood the whole earth. And so it made sense whenever the angels came down, mated with the humans, ruined their DNA. And so I think a lot of people, including myself, especially in the Torah observant movement, fell into that line of thinking without us actually looking like, okay, you know, like what I'm saying about right. uh, Solomon looking at all these other resources. We just kind of take by word what Skiba says. And I'm, and I'm not saying that they weren't, angels than if more angels because i think i really fall more towards they were mm -hmm. i'm just saying i think that we need to look at the context and the jewish literature and everything else right as well and there was that that whole idea that's an interesting kind of tangent to go on uh when we talk about ski but i know he's not the only one because this is the thing that people it's a frequent misunderstanding in scripture is this idea that like god in the old testament was wrathful and judgmental and in the new testament jesus is loving and nice and kind so how are they the same god yeah. and one of the means to reconcile this idea is the corrupted DNA line idea that Satan, knowing that Jesus would come through humanity, decided to corrupt the DNA of humanity by having demons mate with women. And you get these hybrid offspring that are corrupted humanity. And yeah. the idea that Noah was genetically pure and that's why he was preserved on the ark. Uh, right. the, pro the problem with it is that I often hear that this, they, they take kind of a two kingdoms approach that, it's a chess match between God and Satan. They have one does one thing and one does the other thing. And one makes a move and one counters a move. But we know that's not how this works. Yeah, it's not, not, that's dualism. That's right. Not, that's not the Christianity of the Bible. Yeah. So the, God operates. the whole idea is founded on this, this weird starting point um, of like, well, how could God kill all of humanity? When the question is really like, why does God not today kill all of humanity? That's yes. the real startling thing about it. Like, oh, if what's wrong with you people? Exactly. You can't reconcile that idea that God wiped out humanity but spared one man. The shocking part is that he spared one man. Like, you don't have an understanding of the yeah. holiness of God at that point. Right. And this comes from the, like, I would say the 
most common Christian understanding of man, uh, which is that we're not that bad. Right. That, that we're creating the image of God, and that means we're pretty much God. Mm-hmm. Like we can, and, and that goes that going into the free will thing and the whole like, you know, the hearts are evil. Like it just doesn't like we're sick. We're not dead. Right. We're not really dead. You know, the Ephesians two. It's like we're just kind of sick, and, God, and and Jesus helps us. But we choose Him, and we have that capacity. Just the idea that we have the capacity to choose Christ is unbiblical. Like I just can't. Like I don't even know how. But it's just a. It, it all comes down to that. Whenever we talk to any any sort of free will person or typical evangelical traditional Christian, it's this idea of man is like, we have philosophy, we have reason, we have understanding, and we can come to Christ of our own human, unsaved, unregenerate power. And that's what it comes, it comes down to. And it's like, well, then why would yeah, that thinking leads you to think, why would God wipe out the whole earth? Because right. we're pretty much okay. Right. You know, we, we do a lot of good stuff. Yeah. yeah, we just haven't said the sinner's prayer yet. You know, <laughs> and it's what's like kind of, no. What's kind of crazy? I don't know if you follow uh, Christ is the Cure on Instagram, Nick on Instagram. Nick Campbell, he, what's up? Yeah, he was posting some stuff from Arminius this week. That is, when you read it, it's like ten thousand miles away from modern free will evangelicalism. Yeah, like apparently the point of contention with Arminius and, and uh, Calvin was irresistible grace. So like yeah. the, the original foundational Arminian idea was God opens your eyes to be able to choose him and you can choose or reject, which I still think is wrong, yeah. but that was his idea. Whereas now yeah. it's just well, f- fully on your own accord. You can reason and choose your way to God. Right. So like the modern yeah. Christian understanding of like the, of, of uh, the anthropology of man is just so far from anybody previously, what anybody else would have thought about what anybody would have got yeah. from the scripture. Just, and I think it's just because we don't, and I definitely did not understand the holiness of God. We think that we can choose somebody that's righteous when we have no righteousness in us. Right. And that's, we, I guess we don't think of ourselves because kind of a little bit of it is comparing ourselves to other people in terms of like where our righteousness is as opposed to comparing ourselves to God, which is the standard of righteousness. Like that test, everybody fails. Right. But when we're, we're comparing ourselves to each other, it's like, well, I'm not as bad as that guy. We're the Pharisee right. in the temple praying before God. Like, thank God right. that I'm not like the tax collector. Mm. We don't have the, the correct view of like, no, compared to God, we all should be dead. Yeah. So that's kind of where I got off on the wrong foot with Skiba from the beginning. Like, he was like, well, how could God wipe out these people? And how could God blah, blah, blah. Because why would he not? They're all sinful. They're all fallen. Uh, let me pull up this comment because <laughs> I can see Abby straining to read it. Uh, his bed said was of iron, uh, oh. nine cubits. So the problem with a cubit too, and when you're talking about cubits and breaths, uh, cubits were based on the hand length of a person who was alive at that time. So if, if they were a shorter person, their hand was smaller also. So, uh, you know, what cubit are you using? Are you using a, a Middle Eastern cubit, a standard cubit, a modern cubit? Which one are you using? If you're, if you're using the one that they would have used, that's a smaller hand than mine. So they're going to be a smaller measurement than mine. So like yeah. I don't there's there's this tendency in a certain camp to hold tight to this supernatural view that Nephilim were giants they were half angel hybrid beings. Mm-hmm. Now I came to the conclusion to over this week that both answers might be correct just not at the right at the same point. 
that maybe the Nephilim that mated are angels, but the ones after the flood were just men. That the sons of God are angels, but the Nephilim are just dudes that were really strong or really, really mighty or really skilled in some way. So uh, Wilson said it too. And I've heard other people say it before that that might be where you get the idea of someone like a, uh, uh, a uh, Prometheus or, or uh, Zeus or somebody like that, like some kind of mighty God from old yeah. is like a passed down idea of like, Oh, these ancient people that were really skilled, their legend grows as time goes on. That's why yeah. when, when the spies say, oh, we saw the Nephilim, it's a callback to something everybody in the camp would have understood. Like, oh, it's a common shared legend we have. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's – I don't think it's either or. I think it's both but at the at different points. Okay. Because I, I don't know. I just – I've heard the, the Sethite theory that it was godly men marrying corrupted yeah. women for a long time, and it just didn't – makes it doesn't work i don't think it's hermeneutically especially with the verses in jude and second peter i mean right I that's it really because or, or the context that every other way that the sons of god were used and demonte i don't think that you're really listening to us i think that you're kind of just trying to pick out what's wrong because i mean i think both of all of us are saying that we believe in some way the nephilim were some sort of spiritual beings i'm just yeah. saying i just feel like you're just yeah he's just ranting mad. <laughs> yeah well there's we got into a little bit during some of the other discussions there's like a there's a romanticism of spiritual warfare in christianity to some extent right like there's a it, it's sexy that there's demons and powers and we're fighting them and they intercede and interact and you know i was very dramatic with, right and talking with some buddies of mine we were talking about how like you know to me spiritual warfare isn't like oh i feel oppressed by a demonic spirit who's in the darkness spiritual warfare to me is like when I'm alone and someone's like, you know what? You're right. She was unreasonable. You are right in this situation. Like that's the spiritual warfare. That's where it's like, yeah, you are justified in everything you do. Like right. that's, the, that's the spiritual warfare, but that's not cool. That doesn't sell books. That doesn't move copies. So that's yeah. not the one that gets propagated a lot. Yeah. So, okay. So I want to talk about this. Like, so the, the Mesopotamians had, the idea, uh, and we see in the in the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Book of Enoch and stuff, um, the Book of Giants. And I, know, I saw someone mention that, right? And uh, it said, it exists only in fragments, but names of several giants, offspring of the Watchers, have survived. One of the names is Gilgamesh, the main character of the Mesopotamian Epic of Gilgamesh. When I read this, I, for the first time, <laughs> I was like, what? I remember you texted me when you read that. I texted you <laughs> when I read that. Because he's talking about the offspring of the Watchers, sons of God, and in First Enoch were giants. First Enoch seven. Some fragments of First Enoch among the were among the Dead Sea Scrolls. Given give names for some of the giants. That's true. The Book of the Giants. Yeah, is that like, Watch survived? One of the names is Gilgamesh. I was like, the main <laughs> character of the Mesopotamian epic of Gilgamesh. That that was like saying there there was an old story of of from the forties of a man named Bruce Wayne who fought crime for real. And, all, and that was like, what? That's real? Like <laughs> that, that blew my mind to be like, I did not know the Epic of Gilgamesh was uncovered with the Dead Sea Scrolls. I was like, holy cow, that's crazy. So what? So yeah, but that, but again, Mesopotamia keeps showing up. And I, I don't know if we talked about this on air, but before we we're talking about how 
Heiser's view, and I think there's some cred credibility to this from a historical context, is that Judaism, a lot of uh, criticism against Christianity and, and Judaism is that they took from the Mesopotamian and the Babylonian and the other cultures and gods and religions around them and just made their Elohim and made their angels and their their prophecies and things from that. Right. So, and, and so they're like, it's all just a repeat of these old Mesopotamian things. Heiser's view, and, and like I said, there's some credibility to this, is that they're right. That's true. We did use the, some terminology to the, the ancient Jews use the terminology in, you know, uh, like Abraham, Moses, and other things to mock the Mesopotamians and mock the Babylonians and mock the uh, sons of Enoch and all these things. So, like, it's, it's to, to, to mock these uh, ancient things, saying, like, you think you have the real L? We have Elohim. It's it, we're going to use that word because it's it's a word we understand for God, but this is the true God, right? And it's I, it could kind of be like a Islam Allah God thing. Like we know you're using that word, but um, that's not the real. That's not God. You know, we're talking about two different people here. So I think that's that's interesting, and and it definitely get that gets into what we're talking about with this about um, just some of the words like fallen ones. Um, yeah, so like he's talking about the fallen ones. He says those who fall upon those those options are based on the idea that the word derives from the Hebrew verb. It's I just written out NPL, nafal, to fall. More importantly, those who argue that Nephilim should be translated with one of the expressions rather than giants do so to avoid the quasi-divine nature of the Nephilim. So that in turn makes it easier for them to argue that the sons of God were human. That's kind of what we're talking about, like this this attempt to just. <laughs> de, de weirdify it a little bit, you know, like it sounds kind of weird. So we're going to go with the Hebrew word for just giants and it's not, or fallen ones. And so it's not going to be like giants. Like what, what does that even mean? Um, it says in reality, it doesn't matter whether fallen ones is the translation in both the Mesopotamian context and the context of later second temple Jewish thought, their fathers are divine. Uh, their fathers are divine and the Nephilim, however translated are still inscribed as giants. Consequently, insisting that the name means fallen produces no argument to counter a supernatural interpretation. So he's saying, even if you say fallen, it could that still could be the supernatural interpretation with what we're talking about of them being uh, angels, right? Right. Of like the fallen ones that came down and, and sinned. Uh, so despite the use the uselessness of the argument, I'm not inclined to concede the point. I don't think Nephilim means fallen ones. And then he goes into um, the etymology of the word Nephilim. And it, how Hebrew originally had no vowels, and the language kind of morphed to include it, and it came in those who fall and stuff. So he says, um, well, so, so he's talking about the numbers one. But then this is what I really like. So he says, recall that the Old Testament tells us that Jewish intellectuals were taken to Babylon, right? During those 70 years, the Jews learned to speak Aramaic. They later brought it back to Judah. This is how Aramaic became the primary language in, Jude, in Judea, by the time of Jesus. So it's like, why didn't Jesus speak Hebrew? Why didn't right. they speak Hebrew? Because they were in Babylon and developed this Aramaic, right? So uh, the, the point of Genesis 6, 1 through 4 was to express contempt for the divine Mesopotamian Apkalos and their giant offspring. That Apkalos is that legend of like the, the mighty men and, and the, the giants and the supernatural weird Gilgamesh type of like that's the Apkalos, right? So I think they're saying, saying they use that word to mock the Mesopotamian legend, myth, understanding of that, right. right? So just like we would use like Superman or something. Mm -hmm. 
Um, he said, biblical writers had an easy choice of vocabulary for divine beings, sons of God. Their readers would know that the phrase pointed to divine beings in other passages in the Torah, like Deuteronomy 32, labeled other divine beings as demons, the Shedim. But these writers needed a good word to villainize the giant offspring. Fallen ones doesn't telegraph giantism, so that didn't help them make the point. So he's kind of like, fallen ones, giants, you know, giants doesn't really do it, but fallen ones would like demonize them, I guess, okay. and just make them seem like bad, whatever. So I don't know, just like when we're talking about giants, we're talking about fallen ones, we're talking about sons of God. It's interesting to look at like the, how the Hebrew language was kind of formed and transformed over time to use these different words and why they would have used these different words to describe some of these things. And I think it's really helpful for this because it's like, yeah, we're going to use that word, but it doesn't mean what you think it means kind of thing. Hmm. But yeah, so I don't that was like too off. No, I mean, the Bible Project, <laughs> they, did, they did an old video on it too, and they kind of got into that a little bit, and they kind of had that same idea that it wasn't – what they were doing was taken from their legend and telling you essentially, no, that's not what it was. This is the thing. Like mm -hmm. – Borrowing their lie and shedding light on it in in terms of God, um, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> the for, for me the, the I mean, I'm perfect. I'm, I'm like I think that Peter Gentry had a good take on it, right? He had, like he had a, a really solid, good take a, on it. A biblical take, an exegetical take, I should say. Yeah. Right. Of of Genesis six, and that being like the angels. But they're that is not the Nephilim, right? Right, like the Nephilim were men of renown, and the and the sons of God had nothing to do with the Nephilim, which is still super weird that that's in there. Because like, regardless of if the two are related, we still have to deal with the fact that like the sons of God were spirit beings that were like, oh, I like those women, I want to take them. Like that's so, yeah. <laughs> it's so it's so yeah, but, but apparently i mean in sodom and gomorrah the men thought that they could take the angels so that's apparently true, true. They... Mm. That, man you know what always kind of we need, we need to do angels i think that's that's what it comes down to also is like we need to we need to figure out angels because that's, that's a, a whole, weird yeah well i mean because <laughs> angel is kind of a catch-all term it's kind of a generic term I'm like touched by an angel <laughs> oh man Dude. hey i like touched by an angel of course you do <laughs> <laughs> my aunts and my mom were all about that show. Oh man, that's an aunt and mom show. Oh, it your really aunts is. And your moms, that's who's watching the show. It was Walker, Walker, Walker Stranger and Touched by an Angel were their jam. So, they had like a cross. They have a yeah. crossover. Oh my God. Can you imagine the crossover? And days of our lives. Don't forget days of our lives. Oh my! My mom was way into soap operas for a while. Touched, touched by a Texas Ranger. Sidekick <laughs> by an angel. <laughs> Roundhouse kicked by an angel. <laughs> well, I mean, we can talk about angels a little bit because I think it's on topic. Um, angel is kind of an unhelpful term in some way, in like the American context. Like it's kind of a generic term. It's kind of a catch-all term that doesn't really say a lot, right? Like angel, angel is from the Greek angelos, which is just messenger. Messenger. It doesn't really apply. It doesn't imply anything other than messenger. That I, I don't know if you you read uh, the man comes around, right? Yeah. Wilson talks about how the the angels of the seven churches he takes it as the pastors of the seven churches because they're the messengers of God to those churches. Like angel doesn't have to imply supernatural 
origin in any way. It just means a messenger of some kind. Yeah. And that gets difficult when you talk about like the angel of the Lord and that referring right. to like Christ. Right. And that like Christ an angel or like what? I mean, yeah, he, like how, how so that works out. He's not just a messenger. He's the message of he's the word. Right. So it's a whole other thing. And then like you have classes, man, you have seraphim and cherubim, which are not. Yeah. But I think yeah. it, we'll have to do like a whole deep dive on angels. Cause that's, <laughs> it's so much. They're like no female angels. Right. There's right. No, well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, but all the angels you see in art and movies are angels or yeah, women. But all, the ones you, all the ones you see in art and movies are like, like that Irish chick. What's her name? What was her name? What's her lady's name from? <laughs> I don't know angels. her name. She was the one who made uh, the Bible on the History Channel. Her and her, oh, husband, really? yeah, her and her husband were like the the force behind that whole thing. What's her name? I don't know I her name. I couldn't tell her name. She was Irish. She was Irish. Yeah, I remember the black lady. Would sing all the time, and then uh, James, and then James. <laughs> the mom, mom, what was the redheaded lady's name? Where are you at, girl? In, in real life, what was the angel, Irish angel lady? In Touch that's by an such angel? a bad show. And James that, Spader was an angel too, right? Wasn't he like the angel of death or something? Oh, was that James Spader? Was it, James like Spader? was it really? I gotta look that up. Oh, that sounds familiar. That sounds right, Ramona. Yeah, James that was Spader. one of those shows that was like always on, but I never watched it. It was just like always on at my grandma's house or something. That was, was like no, that was destiny. Formula. To my aunt's house. It, it always had the formula. It was like the down and out drug user or something, or like the deadbeat dad finds his kids and stuff. And it was like, do you remember? Uh, I was an angel the whole time. There's a oh, the big angel switch. Like the the ultimate synergy of Touched by an Angel was the episode where the lady, uh, it was the country singer. What is her name? The one who's related. Uh, Dolly Parton. No, no, no. She would never be untouched by an angel. That's not PG. Uh, hey, Dolly Parton has some interesting little. I, I, I love Dolly Parton, but she's not family friendly. Uh, yes, yes. Yes, she is. Her, her no little her, yes, Roma Downey. Roma Downey. Yeah. Roma Downey. Dolly her, Parton is in a movie called The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. She's in okay, no way family okay, friendly. Okay, okay. But you have to watch her stories about when she was little because they're very family friendly. The okay, of okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll listen to Joe Lee many times. Uh, I love her, dude. Steel Magnolias. Steel Magnolias. Right? <laughs> I've never seen Movie Steel Magnolias. Oh, you're missing out, bro. Steel Magnolias oh, is fantastic. Uh, what was this it's country? It's a total chick movie. Ashley Judd's sister. Why not? Uh, one of the Judds. One of the Judd sisters. Not a writer. Um, <laughs> it might be one known to judge. You might be right. Anyways, she, she was playing the mom of a kid who had cystic fibrosis or something. Yeah. And she was like, the, the kid was going to die. And that's why the angels were there. I don't remember the details. I just remember the important part was that she was like, oh, I wrote a song when my son was born. Cause and I called it the 151st Psalm. Cause I was so excited and I couldn't find a Psalm that matched my joy. So I wrote an extra one or whatever. And it was that song from the band Avalon. Please tell me you guys remember Avalon. Yes. Avalon. I have their take. My mom gave me the take. <laughs> of course they did. It was this the worst song ever. I kind of have to play it for you. So How dare you? How dare you say it was the worst song ever? It's live, live, live to testify. Yes, that's the song. Live to testify. Just, why testify. Don't on an acoustic guitar while an angel yes. carries her son to heaven. 
Oh man, it was the ultimate church mom moment. <laughs> that is ultimate. Uh, yeah, I could just be like all all Christian moms, just like yes. Did they all help this their sons is, a little closer? Tonight? This is true Christianity. Truly, <laughs> surely God is with us. <laughs> this oh, is man. Christianity. K love on my way to work. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, Caleb and Amarillo? Yes. <laughs> you have radio in Amarillo? <laughs> we haven't evolved to that state yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get sued by Avalon. Avalon's not a thing anymore. They're for sure not going to sue us. Well, they're going to sue us. They need the money. They're going to sue us. <laughs> if we plug their CD, well, maybe they'll let it go. They're on Spotify. That's what shocks me. They should be paying us. Yeah. yeah. It's so bad. Oh, my goodness. It's so bad. You're not even yeah. allowed to play to the no, chorus? it's terrible. That way you're going to jam. Yeah. <laughs> sure not. yeah. <laughs> oh, late 90s, uh, early 2000s Christian music was a gold mine. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. so bad. Um, how would you put that comment up there? Stop that, Julian. No, nobody wants to see that one. <laughs> how, how do we get on this? How, how do we get to Winona Judd? <laughs> We're talking uh, about angels. We got an angel. From Nephilim to Giants to Winona Judd. That's fine, angel. Angels. You know what was okay? <laughs> so God, was, Nephilim. I want to see Nephilim on Touch by an Angel. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> You know, in, that's the tech. That's that's Chuck Norris comes in as a Nephilim. Nephilim the sidekick. Starts like nun chucking and like he gets kicked in the face six times. His cowboy hat doesn't fall off. <laughs> Dude, so that's a Nephilim. Chuck, that's Chuck a man Norris, of renown. Get roundhouse yeah. kick to the face. Right. And his cowboy yeah. hat. His cowboy hat does not come off. Chuck Norris <laughs> had special jeans that were that he could high kick in because you can't oh, high so kick in regular yeah. jeans. Yeah. Did he try to sell those? Yeah, so he had like. Sure. A, you just had like a giant patch on the yes. crotch. <laughs> so you could do high kicks in your jeans. It's like wearing the top of a saddle in your jeans. And so you could do high kicks in jeans. But you want to wear jeans, but it might go down. And so you right. want to be never ready. Know. When you need roundhouse kick. You need, to you, throw, uh, you need to throw a hook kick, but you still got to keep your Wranglers on. Wranglers. You got to get the Chuck Norris jeans. <laughs> there was one episode of Touched by an Angel that disappointed me as a child because it was a back in time episode. And it was about the assassination of Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And John Wilkes Booth is uh, the guy that they're trying to help. It's really weird. But they get to the end where he dies. And I was like, oh, we're going to see him go to hell. And they don't. They totally don't show it. And I was like <laughs> real disappointed as a kid. I was like, oh, I want to see how they do hell on the Hallmark Channel. That's the Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's what they'll, they'll send you to hell. <laughs> Sure. Oh, man. Isn't it weird? 300 cubits is 510 feet. Proof. Proof. I love the arrows. I like I like it when it's like a fingers, like proof. Well, I like uh, the, the proof too is like YouTube links. Like, watch this guy. He knows. Like, why does that guy know? Who's that guy? Yeah. I was, trying, with, I was trying to look up where, where he got that from, and it took me to like a usccd.org site. So I think. Yeah, I would not be going to any sites <laughs> from these jokers. Dude, I'm I am so glad that I've never used the term woke to describe myself. That's such a horrible anytime someone describes himself as woke, I immediately stop listening. Have you read Woke Church by Eric Mason? No, I have not read that. I've I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. 
How in the world are you going to have a book called Woke Church and ever mention once homosexuality? Well, I was waiting. I was, I was waiting for it. I was like, uh, I, was, I, read, I read Woke Church, and and you know, it's Eric Mason. It's more about race politics and race identity, right. and, and it's all about tolerance and the whole identity politics, intersectionality, whole thing. But that includes homosexuality, and there's not a word on it. He's basically swallowing all the identity politics uh, of race relations and things, race identity, but nothing about homosexuality, nothing about transgender, nothing about any of those other things. And it's like, okay, yeah, bro, like we're all on board with like the race thing. Sure. Like, of course, but homosexuality, transgender, where's your wokeness on that? I saw no, I saw no wokeness on that. Which I'm well, glad to see. But it's like, why are you calling yourself woke if you're not going to be like touch those things? You racial, know, like, racial wokeness like, is—it's such we a weird thing. Did we can totally? I want to talk about racial wokeness, but you guys feel too white to talk about it. That'll get us canceled. Not just we're racial, all, but we're, we're all more racial wokeness. Like no, that's no, no. fine. That's okay. But what I was going to say is, we're all minorities here. Like you guys are at least half. It's okay. We can talk about minority issues. Yeah, I'm you take uh, one half, I'll take the other half. <laughs> no, what I was going to say is that ra racial wokeness, the problem with racial wokeness is that it's kind of antithetical to the gospel. Because like ra racial, the whole idea of like racial, racial reconciliation <laughs> in the modern sense is that it has to do with guilt and power and separation and honoring and it, it essentially just reminds you how different you are and forces you to focus on that constantly and like my it's voice matters off. because i'm right my voice matters because i'm this color my my experience is more important because of this color but the well, whole, yeah and it's, it's yeah it's like you're not you you're mexican right exactly and so that you need to and, speak as the mexican in the epistles, over and over and over, the whole idea is there's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's just one in Christ. That's the, exactly the verse that pops through my mind. The dividing wall is gone. We are all the new man in Christ. So this whole right. political correctness, uh, racial identity. Divisive, yeah. Right. It, yeah, exactly. It's divisiveness that has no place in Christianity at all, like even a little bit, which is dicey today because of what was going on today. And yesterday, all that stuff that's going on. But I, I had a conversation with somebody about it, and they were like, you need to educate yourself about racism and systematic thing? problems. What's that? The Minnesota thing? Yeah, yeah. That's just plain. I don't know. That guy should go to jail. Like, you can't sit your 200-pound right. knee on someone's neck. Right. And it's okay. Like, that's just not okay. Race aside, like. right. Doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> but that's the problem with wokeness and social justice. You don't get just justice. You have to have categories of justice and yeah. ways to respond to it based on. And the the whole. So I was talking to somebody about it, and they were saying like, "Oh, we need to learn how to be an ally. You need to educate yourself." It's like you need the gospel. Like, if you think you're going to change people's hearts by educating them on subjects and listening to other point of views, that's not how you change hearts and minds. The gospel is the the route to racial reconciliation. That's that's all there right. is. So, and all reconciliation of anything right. and redemption. Yeah. Right. And but, justice uh, and. But that's Embrace. not uh, – this is going to get weird too. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about empathy lately and how empathy is like the high trait, uh, the high moral of the day. Yeah. But it's not, not – Rampant. Yeah, I saw that one. I really liked it. That was really good. How empathy yeah. is kind of uh, kind of hamstringing us. Like we should be sympathetic and not empathetic. Not empathetic, yeah. It's it's interesting, but yeah, man. I mean, the, the whole yeah. I hate wokeness. I <laughs> say that and let it be. So, 
Do we, I, I was wondering why you said that. I saw that guys. He was saying like, "Oh, I'm so glad you're woke." Yeah. Yeah. I'm just waiting for them. To use the, I'm just waiting for them to use the word sheeple. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's just weird too. That there's just videos on YouTube like giant skeletons found. It's like that's all the proof I need. Well, like you found that, a giant. Yeah, I mean, you it, find a big rock you think is a shin bone, and if that's yeah. You you should get your belief about spiritual things from the Bible, not YouTube commenters. Right. If that makes sense. And it, right. Even to, to the point, if you think My we're God. just giving our opinion, yeah. If you think we're just giving our opinion, go to the text, look at the look at the words, look at the um original languages like we did, see if you agree with us or if you don't. But don't just take it as well, this guy said so, so I believe him. Right. And yeah. I'm not sure. What does he mean, the gospel of the kingdom of God? How is he bringing that into? I, I don't know. I really don't know. But I, it probably has something to do with giants and Nephilim and end times and New World Order 666. We're all going to get chipped. I said you were lost. Vaughn, like I said, you were lost. What? These guys. <laughs> it's like you lose, you lose people. You cannot have a conversation, a rational conversation like this. Like with, with It's just nuts. You can't just be saying that. Um, stuff like that. There, there was one where he talks about like Satan hid the giant's bones or something. Well, that's that was a dinosaur thing, right? Satan put dinosaur bones there to planted those. Yeah, yeah. to question our faith. Oh, God, we don't. There's, are you are you trying to say the kingdom of God has something to do with giants? It absolutely does, Abby. And if the fact that you don't know that just shows <laughs> how woke. lost you are. Get woke. You're asleep. You're sleeping. People. <laughs> I'm not woke. But that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of why we kind of wanted to talk about these weird fringy things too, because all these weird beliefs spring up around them that go into these weird kind of places. Like, oh, if you don't agree with me on giants, then you don't know what you're talking about. You're not saved. Well, right. and this is not, this is not something new. This is something Paul addressed. And I want to get to this too. Like, so maybe we could kind of end on this as far as like, uh, one of the things that Peter Gentry said in that Southern Seminary video that I thought was really interesting was uh, how – so the Book of Enoch was written in like 200, 300 B.C. So mm -hmm. like way later than the Old Testament and, and when Genesis was written, like talking about these things. So he was saying that – which I agree – is that they interpreted this wrong. They got they got this wrong in, in right. talking about the angels came and uh, – the Book of Enoch. I mean, basically just – so I have up here, the wicked angels begin to teach the arts of sin to the human race. So Aziel taught humankind to make swords of iron, armor of copper to them, how gold to be made into coins and silver, how to make into bracelets. Um, the, the, uh, Shemahiza, and again, these are angels, taught spells, magic and sorcery and tricks, spells of the stars, uh, and they taught them Eretokoth, taught spells of the earth. Shemashael taught spells of the sun, moon, to reveal secrets to their wives. So he's saying the angels came down, the fallen ones came down, and, like, introduced sin to right. humans, right? And so it, it, what was really interesting was that uh, in First Timothy 1, 4, well, it's just so 3, so Paul is, is talking to them. He says, as I urged you, when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. 
So he was talking in, in, in what Peter Gentry was talking about was like he was referring to the book of Enoch and that they would have been familiar with and how <laughs> basically they were trying to blame their sin on angels right. that came the fallen ones and the Nephilim that came down and introduced sin, quote unquote, introduced sin to people. It's like, look, people don't need angels to come teach them how to sin. Like right. that's that, right. that that's what really needs to be understood. And that's kind of like the gospel connection here of like we, we're plenty sinful on our own. Right. And that's the thing of like before the fall, like you were talking about Julian, like, well, why would he wipe out the whole earth? Because we're that bad. Right. And that's that's what it comes down to. And that's what people just don't want to un understand. It's almost like the atheist thing with aliens. They're willing to believe that because then they're not accountable <laughs> to a god. They'll, they'll believe that we that they sparked life into the apes and or whatever, and and now that's, that, that accounts for human consciousness because I can't say there's God because then I'm accountable and I'm I'm a sinner. So it's the same right. same thing with what you were talking about with the before the old the before the flood. Of like, well, I can't say we're that bad, right? Why would he do that? It's got to be these nephilim that came and taught us the sin, and they're the really bad ones. Right. They're the fallen angels and they're demons. So it's it's basically a glorified the devil made me do it. Right, you know, and <laughs> right. It's really weird about that uh, when you're reading that. that so like, when you're when you're reading that, so and so taught them to make swords of iron and whatnot. It's like okay, but the first murder was committed in a field, maybe with a rock. Like he right. didn't need a sword with to kill his brother. We, right. we don't need that. Yeah, yeah. we've been murdering just fine from the beginning. Like, yeah, that's this whole idea that like, well, at this point we were corrupted. Like, where did you go wrong? The first from the start, we were prideful and murderous. Like right away, that's where we started. Right. It, it, it's not shocking that we got worse from there. So right. it, it's like you said, it's the whole idea. Well, it's not us. The demons taught us this stuff. Otherwise, we never would have stumbled upon this. And I think it's important to, to point out, too, that it, it, a lot of people get tied up in Enoch, and we need to understand that Enoch is not an inspired text. Like, it's not. It, it, you, it, it's, it, it's, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's yeah I mean, how many? I mean, I think there are countless people that talk about it may or may not have been re rewritten. We don't, we're not exactly sure if we have the same Enoch that they did then. And, um, we had talked about before. I think you told you said, Solomon, that it was found with the Dead Sea Scrolls first Enoch, but not second yeah. Enoch. Um, yeah, that's it, what it, that's what I was reading from right. was the right. Like and it's very common in it's like all cut up, too. They take it from the fragments only. So it's like all right. these gaps. Bases and, stuff. and that's important to me that we don't have a full copy, but it's important to keep in mind that just because it was found with the Dead Sea Scrolls doesn't mean it was seen as authoritative. Like a lot of times for the sake of space, um, books were kept with scripture that were not necessarily scripture. Like in early Christian manuscripts, you'll also find things like the Shepherd of Hermas or the Epistle of Barnabas that aren't considered scripture, but they were kept yeah. together with the other books for space's sake. You know, And they would have been used. They, they right. might have been used in preaching. But right. not as understood to be uh, inspired. Like right. if 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 I have my Bible and desiring God and mere Christianity, yeah. right, and I die and my bones are found, and you find those books, they're gonna be like, "Wow, these are scripture." And it's like, well, no, I was using those <laughs> books, and I follow John Piper and, and C.S. Lewis or whatever. But I understand, understand, it's not inspired, right? Like, and that's and that's okay. It can they can touch on things, and I think a lot of the ways some of these books might they have they speak truth but they are not god breathed right, right? there's a big difference and that and that can be used in scripture they're used in preaching and teaching but not um they're not god breathed they're not understood to be inspired right so and that's the dead sea scrolls or the like, book of Enoch. 
it's not like they're not helpful. They do kind of give you a context for that early 200 BC to 1 AD Middle Eastern worldview, but they're yeah. not authoritative. That's more important to understand. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's what Paul that, was talking about here with the genie, the endless genealogies right. and the myths. He's talking about the lineages from the Nephilim and who they think they are and the men of renown. Right. And yeah, that that's who he's talking about of like, you don't need that to sin. Like that's stop talking about that because right. <laughs> you need to focus on your sin and your, you know, not the, not the devil made me do it kind of thing. Right. right. So. so final thought conclusion, where do we land on Nephilim? Are we all in agreement? Nephilim were strong men, but men. Yeah. I, don't know. <laughs> I think they're, I think they're separate. I think they're separate from the sons of God right. and the fallen ones in the, in the, uh, like, the beginning of Genesis six mm. of like the, the sons of God's all the dark. I think that is, there's the, it can be angels that mm. I'm, I'm as acceptable, I guess to say that that is a, that could be angels and that they mated with humans. And, but that is not, it seems like Moses was making a distinction on something that the Hebrews all knew about, which were the sons of God and, and uh, those, the, the, those people. And then the Nephilim, the men of renown, and those being separate and not again, it's about the genealogies and the, right. the demigods and the ancestors of great divine beings. And it's like they're separate. You had the divine beings and you have the great men. And so there's that separation between um, what he's talking about in Genesis six. Right. So and that I think is kind of where I would land the Peter Gentry's thing. And I think it is important, like you were saying, we kind of get lost in this idea that the problem is not us. When we talk about the book of Enoch or we talk about, you know, why would God do the problem's not us. The problem is something that happened to us. The problem is these people came down and corrupted us. Like the, the, the gospel centered idea needs to be that, no, the problem is definitely us. Right. We're fallen. We are sinful. We don't need help doing it. It's uh, in James. It talks about how not to say you're tempted of God because God does not tempt nor can you be tempted. Rather, when your own lust build up in your heart, then temptation comes through your capacity to sin and all the temptation you need is inside of you all the time. There's no outside influence that needs to be exercised on you. Um, so getting lost in these, like you said, endless mythologies and genealogies kind of takes our focus off of where, what's important. The, the idea of the real problem is us, the sin in us and what we actually need to be redeemed from. We don't need, we don't need to be redeemed from spirits who came down and corrupted us. We need to be redeemed from our own fallen state. Right. And I don't know, this does kind of feel like a, to me, Enoch, Nephilim, especially in the modern age, it feels like a nice way to make God nicer and to kind yeah. of rationalize all of this stuff. And put like, the blame on anybody other than us. Right. Like we're not bad and God is not mean for what he did. When it needs to be, we are bad and that is why God is not mean for what he did. Like what he right. did was correct to do what right. he did. And I have no absolutely idea why the why the freaking giant thing is such a big deal right now. Like I don't understand why if they were 10 feet tall or if they're seven <laughs> feet tall, it makes us saved or not. Like I'm just like over here spinning like what the heck is the deal with the giants, dudes? Like I'm losing my mind. I don't get it. Like because as weird yeah. as it sounds, it connects to everything else. Like if if there was an idea to corrupt the DNA of man, then you get the idea of the mark of the beast. Then you get the idea of vaccines. Then you get the idea of genetic modification. Then you get the idea of trans 
transhumanism. All of this is part of the beast agenda. I spent a lot of time watching conspiracy videos that I don't believe in, but I kind of understand where they're coming from. And it kind of ties back to all of that. It comes back to a weird eschatology, a weird idea of man, a weird anthropology. When you don't start from the idea that man deserves death for his sin, you get to all these weird places. Right. Right. I would say Demonte Sanders, you're out of your freaking mind, <laughs> and you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, you just you're not making any sense. It says it didn't say sin. It says witchcraft, which is sin, right? <laughs> okay, so you're just not making sense. You say I can see these beings. Okay, you're you're claiming to some special revelation and special understanding, so I can write you off pretty quick. Scripture, 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 not Book of Enoch, something that the uh, that Christians understand to be inspired word of God. And you're going to tell people they're not saved. I would say you're not saved and you're not demonstrating discernment. You're not demonstrating, demonstrating biblical wisdom. Yeah, you're just a conspiracy nut job and you're just kind of wasting everybody's time. So, and the, sorry. the history repeats idea is, is a really popular one that I've seen a lot too, like Oh, this has all happened before, and it's all happening again. Like I, I part of the, the problem is, in one sense, biblical illiteracy, and in another sense, biblical biblical ignorance. And at the um, same time, your understanding of eschatology. Like people say, yes. eschatology doesn't matter, but it really, it really absolutely matters. does matter. Yes, eschatology matters. Yeah, I mean the way you see, especially the end, what you think about the. End what you think about the beginning right so and it, also, it determines what you well what you think about the end determines what you're going to do right now yeah. so you know if you think the end is going to be some kind of demon infiltration and human corruption then you're going to spend your time yelling about giants on facebook as opposed to you know a sound hermeneutical yeah. approach to any of this stuff I, it's, I it's, the, it's the one that sound, i want to sound spiritual i want to sound like mm-hmm. i i can see these beings I, it's a gift so he has a gift oh he's gifted let's let's listen to him because he says he's gifted and can see giants. Okay. That stand from earth to heaven. Okay. That, that was one of his, his explanations. This DeMonte like talking about like, Oh, that's how, how big the angels are. They stand on earth and reach heaven. Okay. You're not even talking about a being anymore. You're talking, I mean, that's just insane. <laughs> well, it's a, it's <laughs> a flat earth. I'm right? I gotta, know they exactly. Gotta, they got to reach that dome. The, yeah. The dome, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, just complete nonsense, unbiblical, undiscerning nonsense. Yeah, and but, I mean, at the end of the day, whether they are giants or not, they were conquered. I mean, God's people won, whether you were a giant or whether you were not. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. God, God wins. <laughs> but I mean, that's yeah. that kind of gets into eschatology, too, because certain strains of eschatology don't think God wins in right. the way that we're saying God wins, you know? Right. Like, when, when we talk about God wins, we have an idea of God has conquered and is conquering everything. Right. Some strains of eschatology don't yeah, have that. And idea. He's ruling now. Right. He's that's, ruling now. That's an important distinction. Better. So, do y'all think Demonte and oh, who was the other one commented? Uh, probably pre dispensational pre mail. I imagine they would have to be. I can't imagine how they're not. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So for so so that's where I would land is that I would say that the sons of God. Will, were there's biblical support that they're angels and that they mated with humans, daughters of humans, right? Um, married those, and the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, they're 
for they are mortal, their days will be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went in, went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, they were the heroes of old, men of renown. So, and that, that's that's the thing about, like, it doesn't say, and they were the heroes of old, men right. of renown. So there's that separation there. When you learn a lot, like so many times in the Old Testament, it says, and. Mm -hmm. So, and had children mm -hmm. by them, and they were the heroes right. of old, men of renown. Like, that's a device that's used to right. bring those things together. It's not right. used here. I think specifically not used here. So, like, there was the Nephilim, and then there were the men of renown. Right. Right. Yeah. Or, like, the men. So, yeah. I think what we kind of concluded is that it's dangerous to go completely human. It's also dangerous to go completely supernatural. The truth is kind of in the middle. Yeah. Th th these two things can exist simultaneously. And I think either way, like, I'm not, I'm not sure how much it matters to, like, what the purpose of, this, of Scripture is. Mm -hmm. it doesn't i don't think it changes anything if, 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 it, if it found some other text or something that really solidified this it's like they're angels and they're right. they're half angel it was like okay well they're not here now and that's not <laughs> they're like okay their days were 120 years so like that that's pre-flood we had the flood we're from noah abraham children of the promise messiah like the covenant like all the covenants the same the messiah is the same this doesn't really change anything i guess mm -hmm. And so, and I, and I hate to like punt it like that, but, and, it, and I don't think it is. I think it's just addressing it and understanding that this is something that's very difficult, but I think can be understood to an extent enough to still get the gospel message from scripture, you know? And I, I think kind of picking, piggybacking off of that is, is an important um, thing that we misunderstand sometimes, not misunderstand, but don't take into mind that the the biblical books were written to a specific audience at a specific time that's the primary audience so like when moses is addressing this idea of nephilim the people that were reading it in the first place the primary audience the hebrews had a context for all of this and would have understood it a certain way we're reading it thousands of years removed from that and we don't necessarily this isn't necessarily a thing that is super important to us to understand Right, like this is not affecting us in the way that it would have affected them. It's called right. open, open-handed, right? Right. And a, lot, and a lot of people, like he's saying that the um, that these angels that came down and made it with humans are still here, but then they also want to use Second Peter and Jude to explain those as angels. But in Jude, it says that he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. And in Second Peter, it says that he cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. So you have to kind of pick one side or the other. If th these verses are talking about those fallen angels, then these fallen angels are kept in gloomy darkness until judgment, and they can't very well be off fornicating and ha galloping all over the world. But that's why you have to let the Bible interpret the Bible. Like the good right. like hermeneutic has to be consistent all the way through. So, right. you know, anyways. Well, that was fun. It was great. It was great. <laughs> it got as crazy as I thought. So that's kind of an upper. Um, do, yeah. do I don't remember at the moment. Do we remember what we we're going to talk about next week? <laughs> Silence. I feel like it was something related. Oh, it was actually Enoch. We were going to talk about Enoch. That's what it was. Yeah, my dad's in front of me. I can't. I can't come. Uh, great. Don't eat on mic. That's a horrible habit. I'm going to do it. I've been. It's been sitting here looking beautiful. I have not. Oh, <laughs> beautiful. Where's it from? My dad made it. It's a beautiful oh, burger. that's even yeah. better. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, next week 
I mean, do we want to do Enoch or do we want to get into Angels next week? Because I feel like that was a whole other topic that we jumped onto and that might be. Maybe we could kind of do both because, I mean, Enoch kind of talks about Angels, kind of like mix them. Theo, Theo, oh, I'm... He's just speaking nonsense. He's yeah, a troll. He's just, He's just a troll spewing nonsense. It's important to know uh, when to have a debate and when to let it go. Don't yeah. let my Mexican side come out. Yeah. Wow. Take his brain out and then like, I'm yeah. just going to focus on my burger here. All right. Yeah. So on that note, we'll see cool. you guys next week. All right. Uh, maybe with legal action from Avalon. So we'll see you later. <laughs> so yeah. Bye, guys. Bye.